0: you to turn in the Bibles this morning to the book of Genesis as we continue our study through uh, through Genesis, looking at the various uh, individuals in in uh, the life of the Lord's uh, people. And uh, Genesis chapter 19. Now, Genesis chapter 19 is a very, very uh, insightful, if you will, uh, passage of Scripture and uh, deals with a subject that has become very controversial uh, in the United States of America, as well as uh, around the world. But there should be no question about uh, God's standard of morality. Now, the the message is entitled Mercy, Deliverance, and Judgment. And if if you've been here for a while, you know that we've been preaching on uh, the life of uh, Abraham and a part of Abraham's life was also his nephew Lot, and you'll recall that uh, the Lord had so blessed Abraham and Lot that their herds began to grow, and so the number of herdsmen or people who manage those herds continued to grow, and <coughs> and so their. You know, with growth comes certain challenges and conflicts, and they were having conflict. And Abraham said, you know what? We shouldn't be having conflict within our family. We're, we're brethren. So i tell you what, Lot, you choose whichever way you want to go. And he said, if you go to the north, I'll go to the south. You you go to the east, I'll go to the west. And and uh, the Bible tells us that Lot looked up, and he looked out, and he saw the plain of, of Jordan, this green, well-watered valley. And he said, you know what? I'm going there. And that's where Sodom and Gomorrah were located. And you'll recall, last week, we looked at the visitation. The heavenly beings, one of those being the Lord <coughs> himself, came to visit Abraham. And as the, uh, as the angels left to walk toward Sodom, the Lord remained behind. And he, he said, shall I hide from Abraham what is about to take place? And he shared with Abraham what was happening. And you'll recall that Abraham, being a man filled with compassion, interceded on behalf of Lot and his family, as well as the people of Sodom. And he, he said, will not the judge of all the earth do right? He said, what if there are 50 righteous people there? Will you spare the city for 50 righteous people? And God said, if I find 50 righteous people there, I will spare the city for the 50 righteous. And Abraham worked his way all the way down to 10. All the way down to 10. And the Lord said, If I find ten righteous people there, I will spare the city for the sake of the ten. And you see, you as a Christian, we as Christian people, are like salt, the Lord said, in the world. And salt has a, you know, it serves as a preservative and it also serves as a season. The Lord went on to say, but if the salt has lost its flavor or its ability to season, what good is it? It's to be thrown out. And you see, as we look at this passage of Scripture and as we, as we consider this, we need to remember who we are and whose we are. And make no mistake about it, we are to be different than the unbeliever. But does it make us better? No. There are really only two types of people in the world. Only two. Believers and unbelievers. But Jesus died for all people so that all would become believers. But the standard of God's morality has never changed. And we mentioned this Sunday night. But this world wants us to be tolerant. You know, the Bible says nothing at all about being tolerant. The Bible says we're to hate sin because that's what God means. As we looked at that passage over in the book of Ephesians, we are to abhor evil and to cleave or to cling to that which is good, that which is true, that which is moral. And so as we look at this passage of Scripture, understand that God has a standard that he holds the human race accountable to. And that standard is himself. That is the standard of morality. And so we're going to look here in Genesis chapter 19, beginning at verse 1. Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening. And Lot was standing in the gate, or rather sitting in the, in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Hear now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house, and spend the night, and wash your feet. Then you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, No, but we will spend the night in the open square. But he insisted strongly, so they turned into him and entered his house. Then he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Now before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter, surrounded the house. And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us, that we may know them carnally, that is, to lay with them or to have sex with them. So Lot went out to them through the doorway, shut the door behind him, and said, please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. See now, I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please, let me bring them out to you, and you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men, since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. And they said, stand back. Then they said, this one came in to stay here, And he keeps acting as a judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. So they pressed hard against the man Lot and came near to break down the door. But the men reached out, that is the angels, reached out their hands and pulled Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they became weary trying to find the door. Then the men said to Lot, have you anyone else here, son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in the city? Take them out of this place, for we will destroy this place, because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who had married his daughters, and said, Get out, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, in the hands of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. So it came to pass, when they had brought them outside, that he said, Escape for your life. Do not look back. You nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. Then Lot said to them, Please, no, my lords, indeed now your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have increased your mercy which you have shown me by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountains, lest some evil overtake me, and I die. See now, this city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Please let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said to him, See, I have favored you concerning this thing also, and that I will not overthrow this city for which you have spoken. Hurry, escape, therefore I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zoar. Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. So he overthrew those cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the cities, and what grew on the ground. But his wife looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. Then he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah, and toward all the land of the plain, and he saw, and behold, the smoke of the land, which went up like the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain, that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew overthrew the cities in which Lot had dwelt. Let's pray, please. Our Father in God, as we study your word, we pray that you be our teacher, O Lord. And as your people, may we, Father. Abide by your truth, and live by your standing. To your honor, to your glory, and as witnesses, and to testify of your truth, that we might make a difference in the communities in which we live, the cities, the states, the country, and the world that people might know that there is a God in heaven who loves the human race and who is ready to forgive but who also holds accountable. And so, Father, we thank you for your love and for your forgiveness. And we thank you for your holy word. Speak to us now by thy Holy Spirit to the glory and to the honor of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. So, mercy, deliverance, and judgment. You notice that the angels went to the city of Sodom, and there Lot stood sitting in the gateway, the entrance of of the city. And they demonstrated God's mercy to Lot, to his family, and even to the people of Sodom, initially, Lot greeted the angels. He he bowed down. He demonstrated humility. Over in the writings of the Apostle Peter, it says that, that Lot was a righteous man. That is, he was a believer. A believer who had made a tragic mistake by moving to Sodom. Now, some would say, well, why do you say that? Notice when the men of the city came to to Lot, he offered them his daughters. There was something wrong with his thinking. Absolutely tragic. You see, a person can be a believer and yet they can be so misled and so deceived by this world and (coughs) and the evil one, if they allow themselves to be deceived, they'll be deceived. Make no mistake about it, God's moral law has never changed. His standard of morality and of life has never changed. God's standard of right and wrong has never changed. And as Christians, we need to proclaim that and we need to stand up for that. This world wants you to be tolerant of all of these various lifestyles. That is not what you find in the Bible. Now, Lot pressed upon these angels to stay in his home. Why? Because he knew the character of the people who lived in the city. The angels said, no, we'll... We'll just remain out here. They also knew the character of the people who lived in the city. But he pressed upon them and pressed upon them, and so they yielded. They and in that sense, he was like Abraham, who pressed upon the angels and the Lord to eat and to feast. And he provided a feast for them, and so they accepted them. Now the men of the city, they come out and they, they, they call upon Lot. They, they challenge him. Now notice, Lot didn't know the difference between right and wrong. You notice what he, he calls it? Notice what he calls that lifestyle. He says, Do not do so wickedly. He had the courage to stand up for what is right. Amen. And he proclaimed what is right. Now, this is what the, the devil, the demons, and the evil influence does in not just the United States of America, but around the world. If you stand up for right, you know what they do? They call you all kinds of names. All kinds of names. They just call you all kinds of names. And they shout you down. But notice, he's standing out there by himself. But he really wasn't by himself, was he? You see, because no Christian, no believer in the Lord is truly ever by his or herself. And you need to remember that. You may be the only one who stands up for what is right, but you are never alone. Jesus has said, Never will I leave you nor forsake you. Your family may forsake you, but God will never forsake you. You stand up for what is right. Your own children may forsake you. They they might forsake the Lord and what they've been taught, but you remain faithful to God, and you continue to proclaim what is true and what is right. And we make no apology for standing up for God's truth. Do not do so wickedly. And notice, God delivers Lot and his, and his family. So Lot's out there. And notice what someone in the crowd says. This guy came in. Remember, he moved into Sodom in that area. Said so this guy moved in here, and since he's moved in here, he's been acting like a judge. Is that any different from today? That's what they say about us. They say, oh, the Christians are are so judgmental. (laughs) Are you judging me? Are you judging me? And they all know this verse, right? Judge not. (laughs) 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 Even people who don't go to church and don't even study the Bible, they know that verse. Judge (laughs) 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 not, isn't that what he said? Judge not. But they don't understand that the Bible does say that we are to judge. We make judgments every day, don't we? Don't you decide between this particular brand of milk and this particular brand of milk? That's a judgment. That's a call that you make. Ah, but what, what the Lord is teaching and the Bible does teach us: we do not have the power nor the authority to condemn anyone. But we are to differentiate. That is, we are to to determine the difference between what is right and what is wrong. What is acceptable to God and what is unacceptable to God. What is moral, according to God's standard, and what is immoral. They said, he keeps acting like a judge. So, let's, let's do worse to him than what we were planning to do to them. You see, and that's That's what you see out in the world. Stand up for right, and they attack you. You stand up for what is right, and they call you names. Stand up for what is right, and they want to isolate you. They want want to get rid of you and push you away, and they will do everything in their power to destroy your life, and not just your life, but your family and your very name. That's what the wicked people will do. Because they're deceived and led by none other than Satan himself, the Bible says, who is an accuser of the brethren. And he accuses the brethren day and night. You'll recall, you read the first chapter in the book of Job, The angels of the Lord came before the Lord and Satan was among them. And what did he do? He accused Job. He said, ah, well, yeah, of course, Job. So he serves you, yeah. But if you take what you've given to him, he'll curse you to your face. See, he's an accuser of the brethren, that is, of the family of God. So they were about to pounce on, on Lot, And the angels reach out and pull him in. They delivered him. They protected him. And remember that God is able to protect you, He's able to protect us. He is able to deliver us. Now, the angels also did something else. They struck the men of the city with blindness. They struck the men of the city with blindness. And I have mercy there. You say, How is that merciful? They could have just killed them all. They could have just, boom, killed them all. The scripture is, 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 has uh, examples of where um, the angels were used by God to protect Israel. And where they wiped out armies, hundreds of thousands of people in a moment of time. And they could have done that here but they struck these men with with blindness. And these guys were so wicked and so bent on having their way that even though they were blind, they're still trying to search for the door. (laughs) Now notice the angels speak to Lot and they say, listen, You need to gather up all of your family. Gather up all of your family. He goes out and he he speaks to his his sons-in-law. And the Bible says, but to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. And that's what, that's what, what, what people think about when we tell them that the judgment of God is coming. The Lord Jesus is returning. They laugh at us. They laugh. I remember I was uh, teaching over at uh, Western High School in a uh, history class. And uh, we had some some time at the end of the class. I just, for my own sake, I, I just wanted to find out how many of the kids in the classroom had both parents at home. So I asked, how many of them, uh, you know, were from single-parent homes? And more than half of their hands went Mm up. And, you know, some of their parents, they they had uh, divorced, or their, you know, their mom had never really been married. Some, their, their dad was in prison, or their mom was in prison, some, both of the parents were in prison. Mm-hmm. All kinds of different uh, situations there. Now this is about 30 years ago, or more of it, maybe like 30, yeah, 34 years ago, 34, or something. And one of the young men, he, he asked me what my typical life was like, date, you know, and, and such, and, what I would be doing after after the school day was over, and I, I shared with him. He said, "He said you you live like a storybook life."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I thought, "Isn't it sad? Isn't it sad in this wonderful country that we call the United States of America? You can have." Such different, differing conditions. And you know, there used to be a time, do you remember that that little uh, TV program, Father Knows Best? Mm -hmm. My Three Sons, remember all of them? Well, see now, all of those are criticized. But guess what? You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that Father does know best. You can argue and you can fuss all you want, but Father knows best. God, our Father, knows best. Well, the angel struck the men of the city with blindness, and he told them, "Lot, in the morning you get ready to leave. And so... The morning comes around and they kind of hem and haw, don't they? They take their time, they're struggling. Now, I'm sure the angels also understood that it was quite a traumatic experience for them to leave everything behind and to just leave the city. And we don't read about his herdsmen and, and him taking his cattle and everything else with him. So he's leaving behind a tremendous fortune. They take him and his, his wife and his daughters by the hand and they lead them out of the city. You notice that? God takes us by the hand. And here's the thing. i rather have God holding my hand than me trying to hold on to God's hand. See the difference? God is far stronger. Amen. I'm liable to let go. To get tired. But God doesn't let go. God does not let go. And so, the angel says, you need to escape for your life And that's the message that we need to proclaim to the unbeliever. The judgment of God is coming. Now, people in the world, the unbelievers, probably never thought that they would live to see the day when after World War II came to an end and the Jewish people were given the sovereign nation of Israel, and it was recognized. It's always been there, and it's always been theirs. But they probably never thought that they would live to see the day that Israel would once again be attacked and invaded. But you see, if they'd have read the Bible, they would have known that the Bible predicts that. And some of you may be sitting here and say, well, I, I, I didn't know that. Yes. The Bible predicts that. And here's the other thing. This is only the beginning. It is only the beginning. The worst is yet to come. The judgment of God is going to fall. You know what the scripture teaches? The scripture teaches that in that day, when the judgment of God falls, that two-thirds, two-thirds of the Jewish people are going to be killed. The nation is going to be invaded in the latter day. Why? Because the devil and all those who follow him hate God's people. But in the end, the Lord himself will descend from heaven and will fight for Israel. He says, escape for your life and do not look back. You remember what Jesus said we're to take up our cross and to follow Him? He also said, anyone who looks back and yearns for the, the old life is not fit for the kingdom of God. He said, don't look back lest you be destroyed. Oh. Lot flees to Zoar. You know, he he felt like that he wasn't going to be able to make it up into the mountains and all of that. And he said, so just let us, let me go to this little city. Now notice it says that the the angel said, okay, we're favoring you. In other words, we're being merciful to you and allowing you to go to Zoar and we won't destroy that city because you're there. You notice that? You see, the unbeliever doesn't realize that the nation of America is blessed. Why? Because of God's people. This nation was built upon the Judeo-Christian ethics found within scripture. But the unbeliever doesn't want you to believe them. And they continue to rewrite history. Hollywood is guilty of rewriting history. And the government of the United States of America is guilty of rewriting history through its textbooks. When I was a principal, time after time, I would just flat out tell them, we're not doing that at our school. They'd say, you need to do this and this. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing that and we're not teaching that. Lot flees to Zoar, but his wife looked back. His wife looked back. She was warned. They were warned. And we are warned. All of humanity is warned. The judgment of God is coming. Now, do you want your family to be in, in heaven? Yes. Of course you want your family to be in heaven. How about some of your friends and some of your, your old school friends? How about some of the, the co-workers that you had? You develop friendships over life. Wouldn't you like for those people to live in heaven and to know God's the fullness of God's blessing for all of eternity? And then notice, then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. Now there was a time in the United States of America You see this word, Sodom? There was a a crime. It was the crime of sodomy. It was a crime in the United States of America. And why? Because the Bible says that that way of life is wicked. And it is wrong. It is harmful. It's destructive. It's immoral. It is a sin. A sin. On Wednesday night, we listened to a, a, a recording of Paul Harvey, who spoke about uh, 1965. In 1965, he said, well, if I were the devil, if I were the devil, I'd, I'd get people to not believe in God's word. That it's just a fairy tale. He went on to say, as he listed several things, and one of the things he said was, I get people to believe that life on TV, that's the way to be. And he went through all kinds of things. Oh my goodness, and everything that he said is actually present today. Immoral, immorality, this whole idea of, of two people of the same gender being married, that's, that's not a marriage.
1: Do
0: you know who defines marriage? God defines marriage. <coughs> marriage is the first human institution created by God. And it is the foundation of society. And when you violate God's standard, you bring judgment. Make no mistake about it. So as we bring this message to a close, remember that the Bible says, and God remembered Abraham. And God (coughs) brought Lot and his family out of So what do we learn? There's an order to God's design for the family. There is a design. And you can violate the design all you want, but you'll suffer the consequences. Do you know what they don't tell you? They don't tell you that that the group that has the highest suicide rate, not just in America, but around the world, the group that has the highest suicide rate are among people who are transgender, homosexual, and lesbian. They also have some of the highest rates of of depression and low self esteem.
1: They also have
0: the highest rate of child predators in that community. They, They don't tell you all that. When I was pastoring other churches, I wouldn't let any of the men serve in the nursery. And some of the people got real upset. I said, well, you can be upset all you want. But here's something that I know. Generally, pedophilia, for every woman that is guilty of it, there are 10, 20, etc. number of men. I'm not taking the chance. And as pastor of the church, it's my responsibility to protect those babies. So if you don't like it, then you take your baby into the service with you. But I'll have no men in the nursery. There's an order to God's design for the family. Morality. And God is merciful and provides ample opportunity to repent because our God is a God of grace. He allowed Abraham to whittle him all the way down to 10. I won't destroy him for the sake of 10. Grace. Grace. And God makes a distinction between the believer and the unbeliever. Make no mistake about it. God makes a distinction between the believer and the unbeliever. Now over in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, you can read that says we are not destined for wrath. There's a time coming. It's called the time of judgment. It's called the Great Tribulation and that is coming. And we need to warn people that it is coming. Now we believe that the church will be taken out before them like Lot because God is merciful. and He does not treat the believer and the unbeliever the same. We're not treated the same. He makes a distinction between the two groups. That doesn't mean that God doesn't discipline us or hold us accountable. But with respect to judgment, the judgment for the believer's sin fell upon Jesus Christ at the cross. You see, we're so blessed that we don't even realize and fully understand just how blessed we really are to be children of God, to know Him as our Savior and as our Lord. Because there upon the cross he suffered the penalty for our sin. We've been passed over from death unto life. But the unbeliever, the unbeliever will pay for. The coming judgment of God against sin is real, but deliverance is also real. And the only way, the only way, the Bible teaches there is only one way to be forgiven, and that is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There is no other Messiah. He is the Messiah, and He will return. Now, He will return either as your Lord, or as your judge. Which would you prefer? You've heard me say this many times before. I don't want justice. (laughs) I want Mercy. mercy. You follow? You have all these fools out there crying for justice. Justice, 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 give us justice. If they had justice, they'd all be in hell. If they actually got what they deserved, they would be in hell today. But thanks to God, He's a God of grace and of compassion, of mercy and of love. And He will forgive us. But that forgiveness is found in His Son who died on the cross.
1: We're going to stand and sing
0: a hymn of invitation. Lord, I'm coming home. Lord I'm coming. As we say, you come to accept the Lord as your Savior. Let's pray, please. Our Father and God, we come to you and we thank you that you are a God of love yes. and a God of mercy, a God of grace, a God of forgiveness, a God of hope and compassion, tenderness maybe, Lord, there's someone here today who's not received you, we pray today, come to receive you. And if you're standing here today and you don't know for sure that when you die you'll go to be with the Lord in heaven but you want to accept him as Savior then pray this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. And I acknowledge that you died upon the cross that you rose up from the dead. I ask you to come into my heart to be my Savior, my Lord. Forgive me for my sin. I confess. Give me eternal life and home in heaven. I give my life to you. Thank you for loving me and for saving me. In your name I pray, Lord. Now if you prayed that prayer, I ask you to step out and to walk down the aisle and to make it public. Maybe you've made a decision to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. Come forward and share that with us, or to join this church and to do so officially. As we sing.